Welcome to another exciting episode of Best of Five. It's a weekly FTC talk show where we talk about fighting games. The CPT uh, season is over, except for, of course, the culmination of a Capcom Cup. But we have a lot to talk about. Not only that, uh, we have infiltration news. We've been waiting. We thought they were trying to put it under the rug, but no, we got a full report on that. We can talk about that. Yeah. Uh, there's actually a lot to talk about this Tuesday. There's plenty. Yeah. It, 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 it's a beefy Tuesday. Um, we have uh, players getting dropped somewhat uh, abruptly and unexpectedly. And of course, we have a recap of the weekend's events, courtesy of Steve, Ace King, Offsuit, Jurek. Gotta love Doug. And John, <laughs> John Velociraptor Guerrero, who... Um, I'm going to have to tell Catalyst, bro. I thought you were on the clock doing Event Hub's work, and here you are. Yeah, don't don't tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell, man? What a narc, dude. <laughs> yeah. And we have a very special treat, something I'm pretty excited about. We kind of teased it last week, but we weren't able to actually get it working. But we do have it up and running this week, and that is some clips wherein our uh, resident guy that analyzes clips uh, will be breaking down some of the action. Do you want to give him a tease of what match we're going to be looking at? Yeah, we're going to be talking about Item versus CJ Truth and the various aspects of Laura in Season 3 that have changed and some of CJ Truth's crazy reactions and adaptations throughout the set. Right on. I'm looking forward to that. Because this was, in my opinion, the biggest match of the tournament. Because had Item won this, he would have gone on to the Grand Finals where he would have fought Punk. And since CJ and Punk were already in, you know, the winner was just for money. Whereas if Idom had moved on, it would have been for not only him to make it into Capcom Cup, but to take Chris Tatarian's spot away. Mm -hmm. So Idom's final match was kind of the final match of placing people in the Capcom Cup. So it carried the most weight. Yeah, I would say it so. Was, it, had, it, it was a match that just exuded big dick energy. <laughs> it did. Yeah, it really did. And we're going to show that, too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, now, Steve, we typically start with a recap. Steve is just disappointed. By the way, just a <laughs> quick update. Um, Mike and John are still participating in uh, No Shave November. However, Steve got 4,000 followers on Twitter over the weekend. And I thought, he must be doing something right. And now, I decided to shave. Maybe I can get some of that uh, big twit energy. Can't hear you. Uh, yeah. Can't hear you. Steve. Steve. Muted. This Steve. happens at least You're once muted. every other Steve. two Come episodes. On, Steve. Steve, Steve mutes himself. Steve, seriously? Yeah. Come on, Steve. Hey, and shout <laughs> out to Vicious. He just subbed. He's actually going to be oh, our guest oh. on the show later. We're very excited about that. It's been a while since we had a guest, and uh, you know he said some nice things about us on Twitter, and we're like, hey, bro, you want to come on? And he's down, so we're excited And he's about also that. revealing the new character for Street Fighter Five in that's Season right. 4, uh -huh. so that's going to be Exclusive. big. Um, no big deal. He's just going to let us all know, and you at home, uh, well before anybody else knows, in fact, before even Capcom knows, uh, that it's going to be <laughs> revealed. So look forward to that. Um, okay, we were going to start with the recap like we always do. However... Steve uh, would like to take it somewhere else so we can get this out of the way. A little bit of, not necessarily housekeeping, but something that we've, a story we've been following for a real long time. We alluded to it at the top of the show. And that is the fate of infiltration. Um, there was a lot of back and forth. Of course, uh, this all stemmed from a post on Reddit that uh, purported infiltration having uh, participated in some domestic violence and basically beating his wife and yada yada and back and forth and uh, then Panda Global got involved and uh, then we were all waiting to hear. We thought it was cut and dry, but we waited. Panda Global has come out with a uh, official response to this and a sentence has been uh, handed down. Steve, you want to take it from there? Uh, sure. Uh, Panda Global on Wednesday of last week 
finally released the findings of their investigation into the allegations made against infiltration. It was quite a long time coming, uh, but we saw when they released it why it took so long. They went through pretty much every allegation that was made, uh, other related allegations uh, that were found through the initial allegations, and they looked at pretty much each one individually. Uh, By and large, their findings were that most of it they couldn't was either incorrect or they could not verify. Uh, But there was uh, some significant findings. Uh, Taking it to their statement, which reads in part, quote, Panda Global does not condone violence in any form. However, we have a duty to perform a thorough investigation and not to just move forward on partial, unverified information. To do so would be betraying the core principles this team is built on. Uh, doing the right thing is the foundation of Panda Global, as is being an organization that focuses on the players and community first and foremost. While the findings of Panda Global's investigation directly contradict the majority of the claims of this anonymous group, uh, referring to whoever uh, made the posts on Reddit, there was a discovery made that required action to be taken. On October 22nd, 2017, there is evidence of an altercation between Infiltration and his ex-wife. As a result of this incident, Infiltration received what we understand to be akin to a temporary restraining order, and on November 30th, 2017, Infiltration accepted and paid a fine for violence of 700,000 Korean won, which is around 630 U.S., As a result of this charge, Panda Global has terminated our contract with infiltration. We hope that our investigation summary provides some closure for the FGC and the greater esports community. As for Panda Global's future in the FGC, we've been in Street Fighter since PG was founded, and we will be competing again in 2019. Uh, Then shortly after that, Capcom came out with their response to the investigation, which was running alongside uh, Panda Globals. And they said, quote, while in part, quote, while this incident did not occur, did not happen during a Capcom Pro Tour event, we do not condone any acts of violence or harassment. We want to ensure that Capcom Pro Tour provides a safe, inviting environment focused on healthy competition with an expectation for a baseline code of conduct. As a result of our evaluation, we felt it necessary to take appropriate disciplinary action against infiltration. In speaking with Panda Global and infiltration, he understands the circumstances of our review and conclusion. In acknowledgement of a first offense, he has voluntarily withdrawn himself from competition for the agreed-upon period of the rest of the 2018 Capcom Pro Tour season, including Capcom Cup Finals this year, and the full 2019 CPT season. A second offense will result in a lifetime ban from participating in all future Capcom Pro Tour events. So that was the hammer that came down, uh, the decision that was made. I'm going to put the full the link to the uh findings uh that panda global released in chat uh, 
So I mean, it was interesting. It was interesting because uh, Panda did a lot of investigation here, and I mean, we talked about how it was. Uh, there was so much time between when they first brought this up. They said we'll probably have some information next week, and then of course it was like a good two months later that this all actually comes out. But for good reason, because you look at the, um, at like the the fine print here, and they have this entire report and the investigation summary. Um, obviously, we can't go through all of it here, but just to bring up, you know, to give you an idea of what it's saying here, there are nine different allegations that were put forward in the initial Reddit post that accused infiltration of all this and kind of got the ball rolling with this entire process. And they have these uh, nine separate allegations and then uh, a whole other column next to it saying the facts of what had happened, what had happened in those each of those categories. Um, and, and a lot of them differ pretty drastically or just completely uh, go against what the allegations said. So there's there's been a lot of investigation here. And at the end of the day, it's it's pretty damn murky, you know, as, as to like no one's going to know what happened there except for the two people involved, you know. And so it's uh, it's it's a really crappy place to be. But I mean, I don't know if we're doing personal takeaways on this or if there's really, you know, room for that. But it's uh, yeah, it's interesting. You know, there's a lot of, again, we, we talked before the show that we're like, damn, do we want to spend a ton of time on this? Like, it's, 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 it's been in the air a long time ago, I mean, for a long time now. There's a couple of things that I do want to say quickly. One is, I do have mad respect for PG and, in particular, the CEO, Alan Bunny, and how they handled it. Um, they did take their time. They did do it right. And you're thinking to yourself, like, man, this is a really young organization. Esports is still a young thing. And especially in the FGC and, like, trying to do it right. And he came out, you know, you might think that uh, he overdid it by wearing a suit and all that. I think he tried to put his best foot forward after a long process and address the uh, the topic head on. And I do want to tip my hat to um, to Alan Bunny in particular and the Panda Global Organization on how they handled it. Um, there was a, a couple other things people were like, well, you know, if you can think back to um, Noel Brown getting banned, that was based on something that happened at a CPT event. This is mm -hmm. not something that happened at a CPT event. And there's a lot of people, and you know, they might have the right to to this opinion. But certainly, um, that say, hey, whatever happens in their home is between them. This is none of your damn business, right? Um, but it's hard to swallow that once you've heard the allegations and you've seen that there are some validity to them. It's like, dude, I don't know if this is like what I want my community to be uh, associated with. Certainly, CPT might have something to say about that. Like, do we want to have a guy who's been uh, uh, convicted of domestic violence or abuse uh, at our events? What does that say about us? It's just a whole mess, um, and I'm not surprised the way it played out once the facts came out. Um, you know, there, there were a few things that, that struck me in reading the documents that came out in contrast with what was originally put forward. So, and I think there is, there is room to like kind of talk about that, if nothing else, just to like list it off. Because if anybody read those initial, the, the post on, on you know, the Reddit forum, it painted infiltration obviously in a pretty harsh light here. And, and it's clear that something happened between the two of them. There was a physical um, altercation. Um, and but extraordinarily like, verbal abuse. Extraordinary sure. verbal abuse. Yeah, but like some of the things that were put forward in the original art, um, argument here, or the original article that was, or not article, but post that was brought up, says the beating continued for about an hour, um, that infiltration nearly choked her to death, um, and that he uh, he beat her to a point of unconsciousness. But then when, when things kind of came back from PG's um, investigation of this, it was that there were some bruises and some injury to her wrist 
when she went to the hospital, that's what she was diagnosed with, were some bruising around the wrist and, and some kind of wrist injury. They didn't keep her for, you know, longer than, they didn't keep her overnight or anything like that. She was pretty much immediately released. And so it's just like, I guess the takeaway here is you read things on the internet, it sounds like she, she, you know, was beaten to within an inch of her life, but then you find out, well, it was an altercation over a phone and there was some bruising around the wrist. You know, it's like, uh, it's just, we're so That sounds like horrendously downplaying it to me. But I mean, I think that's on the other side. I mean, mean, the transcript was presented out of order, but it still involves, you know, him trying to get rid of evidence, saying that she can't take evidence, saying that he'd go further with injuring her wrist if she tried any more. I mean, there is some really damning stuff in there. And I don't want to go too much further because I didn't investigate this. But given that they said what was in that transcript was correct, even if it was out of context. I don't think this is Da Vinci code. I don't think rearranging these five pages of transcripts that we got is going to make them any less damning. And that that's what I have to have to say about it really is that I agree with you that some of it was taken, you know, obviously false allegations, but there's definitely something there. Unless a less severe or, but still illustrates the point here. Um, is that they said like an infiltration had to pay was it twenty thousand dollars USD, uh, and that he was holding out and trying to hide his funds or something like that so that he didn't have to pay this this fee. Um, but what it turned out to be was a fine of six hundred and thirty dollars, which was paid in full. And it's like I just I say that to contrast, you know, what was originally That's put true. forward versus what came up, and that kind of gives you a, a general idea of how how much this stuff can get blown out of proportion. Um, and then again, as far as like. Where does the blame fall on everything? I I don't think any of us are really qualified to, to say. We can speculate all day, but again, just a, a crappy situation to be in. Um, and yeah, yeah. There's you know the the picture put forward in the summary was at at least the paint the picture that they tried to paint was of a guy who did something, but but everything else got blown out of proportion we can mm-hmm. that something that was done is completely unacceptable absolutely i don't think there's any defense of that whatsoever my big takeaway from this entire thing and granted it's for something that is far less important in the grand scheme of things than anything else that's happening here is the decision that infiltration would withdraw from the 2018 season and withdraw from the 2019 season. Not he, not that he was banned, not Capcom saying you cannot compete, basically him agreeing that he cannot compete. The reason for that is because this felt like it could be an opportunity for Capcom to, to step into governing body territory. You know, with the rest of the Capcom Pro Tour, they've been, I don't want to say hands off, but they've sort of let most events do their own thing. They kind of do a few, Capcom does a few things to pull them all together and keep score. But as for the actual running of things outside of uh, the incident with uh, Mr. Brown, which I I still think is mostly a... uh, 
for lack of a better term, a lifetime achievement award for all the other things he had done before. But they really hadn't been in a situation where they had to act as a governing body. And by if they come out and ban him, then they say, yes, we have that power. We will use that power. By not by avoiding that particular wording, I feel like that leaves them some wiggle wet room to kind of stay out of that realm if they want to. And I, I don't think they want to be in that realm, honestly. The, the last thing I'd like to say is that people are bringing up other parts of the issue, what she did wrong, etc. And I like to say that in this situation, I don't think that should really matter. And that's not really what's at hand. Um, domestic abuse is very serious. And just as we want to give people, just like PG gave people the ability to look into these claims and make sure they're true, I want people to give the same respect to women who make these claims. Uh, research says that less than 2% of claims that go to court end up being considered you know, purposely false or made negative. And that's not including the literal millions of cases that go unreported. It is very rare, very rare, for someone to falsely report domestic abuse or violence of any kind. So make sure to at least give the women in these situations that respect as well. What uh, she, yeah, on this front though, she did say something, or the report said that when infiltration tried to come back after the, uh, the incident had happened, this was a, a day or two later, with his mom present, that she was uh, essentially not letting him return unless he agreed to stay in the relationship. Take that as you will, but yeah, it, that's it very like standard in domestic violence cases. I mean, it, you're battered at that point. You're, you're. I'm not going to go too much further into this, but what I'm saying is the issue at hand is a physical abuse that happened at that point. Yeah, and, and whether you know he's, whether she has blame on herself or not, I don't think should be relevant to whether this was a bad thing. You know, personally. Uh, but I agree with I do agree, you know, on, on the sense that we do have to investigate these things. I think PG did a great job. I think that it is an interesting situation that Capcom didn't really have to make a move here, and it would have been interesting to see what they did if they had. I, I also would have been interested to see what would happen if infiltration didn't agree, because mm. uh, then you're saying, okay, you're banning me for something that really wasn't in the rules. You know, obviously you shouldn't have to make a rule to say don't abuse your romantic partner but now you're coming up with now you're saying you're that he's not abiding by a code of conduct that more or less doesn't exist yeah and um, I, I do feel that's going to be the next step i feel like once the 2019 tour rolls around we are going to see some form of code of conduct some sort of cover coverall for all of that for things that happen outside their events yeah we have a lot to talk about and we do have a somewhat shortened block here because we have a guest that we're very excited to get to here right. uh, at the top of the hour so uh let's move on we have a recap um steve you want to hit us with it yeah uh there was a whole lot that happened uh event wise this past week and it started while we were on air last week uh the injustice 2 pro series grand finals took place the final four was after we went off the air and that was won by sonic fox for the second year in a row uh he is your injustice with joker, 2 pro with joker. 
You know, he, he can just do this with pretty much any character he wants. Uh, he beat Rewind in the grand final, and there was a moment afterwards where he Sonic Fox pledged 10,000 of his winnings to Rewind, Rewind, excuse me, uh, whose father is currently going through cancer treatment. So um, he said he, he doesn't do it for the money. So uh, it's good to see that sort of camaraderie with him uh, with, within the community. Scar finishing third uh, at one point, he w- got on the mic and said, uh, quote, Echo Fox, where are you at? Mm, that was a baller moment. That, that, that was a... Uh, that was uh, Big Rick energy right there. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, this weekend, we also had Smash Summit, uh, number, the seventh edition of that invitational tournament for Melee. Hungrybox won the main event, taking it over Leffen in the grand finals to pick up his second ever win at a Smash Summit event. Mango finishing third. So you've got God's finish or it, or if as long as you include Leffen in that conversation you've got gods finishing one two and three so bit of a return to normalcy in that game who knows uh dream hack atlanta also took place uh the main event of that was the brawl hollow world championships uh you had sandstorm take home top prize in singles competition and the tomb the team of Addy Mestic and Cake winning the doubles competition. $50,000 prize pools for each of those tournaments. Uh, so pretty big deal. Uh, also at that event is Psycho taking home Street Fighter V t- title. Party Wolf beating Sonic Fox uh, for the Soul Calibur title. Speed Kicks taking Tekken 7. Uh, Flux that dude in uh, Blaze Blue. And there you see the results for both Melee and Wii U there. Uh, but the big event this past weekend, at least in our corner of the world, was Red Bull Conquest. It was actually made up of eight different tournaments. Uh, you had your three last chance qualifiers for Guilty Gear, uh, Guilty Gear Tekken, and Street Fighter. The winners of that of those ended up representing Washington, D.C. in the main event of the team tournaments. Uh, Well, team competition, I should say, because they were individual tournaments. Dot Nova getting the win in it for ATL in uh, Guilty Gear, taking it over New York's Lost Soul. Kizzy K finishing third. Uh, Looking at Tekken, San Francisco called a ringer in. Uh, Bronson Tran couldn't make it, so they called Jimmy J., and Jimmy J took it over Joey Fury uh, in that grand final. Uh, Shadow 20Z picking up some points for Chicago in fourth with his new sponsor. Uh, and then Street Fighter Five. it came down to the very end, but Punk got the win for NYC, taking it over Nephew in the grand final. Uh, what that meant for the team competition uh, is that New York City... They run the world, taking it by one point over San Francisco, L.A. finishing third. So New York's team of Punk, Lost Soul, and Mr. Whoopi, who was a last-minute replacement for Fighting GM, they all win trips to Evo Japan. Pretty sick. 
That is sick. <clears throat> Punk didn't care for him. He 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 wanted Lost Soul to to get that tournament to see what he could do in Japan. He said on the mic, like, I don't care about the tourney myself. I just wanted to do it for Lost Soul. So he's going to get that chance to throw down uh, against some of the best in the world over in Evo Japan. Sweet. Uh, but then it came to the CPT event, uh, which was basically what I was drawing in red lines and pulling whatever <laughs> little hair I had out to try and make all the calculations work. Um, and everything got thrown in the loop. Remember last week we said we were talking about how it was almost yeah. impossible for someone outside of the top 30 to win the premiere. Guess what? Someone outside the top 30 won the premiere. And See, it, even further, right? If it had been like a random player, it wouldn't have been enough points. It had to be someone like 30 through 60, basically, right? Right. It was in that sweet spot, and CJ was in that sweet spot. God, he uh, killed it. He, he took it over Tokido in the, in the grand final, actually ran it back. He was up 2-0 in the winner's final and then got downloaded. And, but came back and pulled it off, got the 3-2 win in the first set, 3-1 in the second set to take uh, the premier event. That gave him enough points to qualify for Capcom Cup. John Takeuchi finishing third, falling one spot short of qualification. If he, yeah, if he won that loser's finals, he would have gotten enough points uh, to pass, to to become the first player out in the Asia standing. So, Wait, would, that was, have, would that have trumped uh, Nemo then? Uh, yes. I see. So Nemo got in because John Takeuchi didn't win that. Or actually, uh, uh, sorry, pardon me, I'm sorry. It would have been that plus the elimination of CJ Truth. So if John Takeuchi won that, he would have kept CJ Truth out. Uh, so then uh, Nemo wouldn't have gotten knocked out of the top 26. Wait, so if John Takeuchi had won versus Tokido or versus – oh, okay. Yeah, 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 you're right. Never mind. I got it now. So it, um, it, it was complicated at the end there. Yeah, and also because last week we had that awesome uh, breakdown of all the possibilities that you didn't prepare for at all and just ran you know, off the cuff <laughs> and everything. It was really good. Um, and then, uh, of course, we got the information that infiltration wouldn't be part of the pro or the Capcom Cup. And that moved everybody up one, right? So that almost made most of that kind of just bunk, as far as I or, or or you know incorrect, because a lot of people or well, one extra person qualified because of that, right? Yeah, it 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 made it a little easier for the Asian players because there was that logjam right around twenty six. Mm -hmm. So it was whoever was in twenty six. And then the first Asian player out. So essentially top 27 for them. Uh, it helped clear that logjam up a little bit, but you had John Takeuchi was coming on strong. You had Storm Kubo who, who iced his spot uh, middle of the way. Gamer B took, took an early exit. Nemo went just about as far as you could, uh, finishing uh, in top 16 and then getting knocked out. So... It was it was uh, tight right to the end. Uh, if we take a look at the North America standings after that, uh, 
the win was enough for CJ Truth to get a spot in the regional final. Uh, he joined Knuckledo, Justin Wong, and Punk as players who were already qualified. So that meant that if one of those four won the regional final, the uh, the next qualifying spot would go to the top American on the outside. That would be Chris T. Remember, he was supposed to be at uh, Red Bull Conquest, but withdrew for reasons that were not disclosed. Uh, we'll talk about those later. So he was watching on Sunday, hoping that one of those guys would pull it off, and one of those guys did pull it off. Uh, Punk taking it over CJ Truth in the grand final to punch his ticket officially into Capcom Cup, although he'd already clinched top 26. Idom, the top finisher who was on the outside of that line who needed to win to get in. Uh, so, so with those results, we have 31 of our 32 players set. Now, did that change Punk seeding at all, winning the uh, NA regional event? No. No. no points were awarded. It was just simply uh, for one qualification spot. And the money, of course, which Latin America didn't get. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is a whole thing. Uh, but you look at it, uh, Nemo, Verloren ended up being the last player in at 850 uh, through the top 26. The next three behind him also got in, uh, Nemo being the top Asian player because Gachikun was in top 26. Uh, Chris T being the top North American player because Punk got in. And then Mena RD with the uh, being defending champion, he got in as well. So we talked about this earlier, the point system. In the end, after accounting for infiltrations withdrawal, everyone who got at least 700 points made it in. Everyone who finished below 700, except for those two guys who won the regional final, did not make it in. So, Tokita's such an overachiever, man. You see how many points that guy yeah. has? <laughs> Basically lapping the field. He has... Yeah, he and with so many seconds that could have given him way more points. Like, so many moments where if he had won one more match, he would have gotten an extra 500 or 1,000 points. Incredible. I can't see how he's not the favorite going into Capcom Cup. Because Mena's there. <laughs> I don't appreciate your uh, sarcasm there, all right? I'm rooting for Mena. He's definitely the odds-on favorite, but the thing about this year is no one's better than, you know, no one's odds are crazy. Like, you know, there's no one and two. There's no Tiger Woods a la the 90s. Like... Any pick you make is at best, you know, a one in five, one in six, probably probably more than that odds because this field is just that stacked. You know, uh, before we go too far, one of those guys that made it into the field is CJ Truth, and we have a match here that uh, we're going to attempt to break down live for you guys um, just because we are a little bit pressed for time. I want to get to this. Sure. So as I mentioned earlier, this match between CJ Truth and IDOM was the big match that basically ended up deciding that Chris T was in and IDOM would not be in because IDOM was the last player not qualified for the Capcom Cup already in this NA regional final. And so uh, first I'd like to talk about a few of the good things IDOM did and that mainly had to do with Laura's V-Trigger which was her biggest nerf in season three uh, or one of her biggest nerfs in season three. So if you, if you play this clip, uh, right here IDOM wakes up with the jab and then starts the train with this jab, medium kick into EX fireball. The big thing to watch for here is that 
people tend to expect the combo to continue after this EX Fireball, right? They expect an air reset. So they often won't ground tech right here. And if you play the clip slowly, what you're gonna notice is he does just that. He doesn't ground tech. And so if you freeze it again, now he's in a situation where he's hard knocked down with the fireball on top of him. This is going to meaty him right as he wakes up, and then Laura's gonna have a bunch of options. She can go over for a cross-up, she can stay in front, she can command grab. There's a ton of different things going on there. And if you play the clip, you're gonna see that here he goes for the jump over option, combos into Stan Fierce and wins the round. And that can be applied in a variety of situations, but here, that is the uh, the setup was the EX Fireball into no air reset. Mm -hmm. It's kind of gimmicky. You can always ground tech that, at which point it's just going to be a regular meaty. He's not going to get the cross up. But you see Idom go for that a lot, and CJ Truth was not ready there. What do we got on this next clip? Um, so this is going to be another similar setup, and this one is actually another kind of gimmicky setup for Laura to get into this situation. She's always going to need to fake you out a little bit. So if you play the clip, um, Laura's going to set up a block string here into the EX fireball off of a V trigger. And then he's going to dash. And if you freeze frame here, Cammy does have an opportunity here to press a button um, and interrupt her. But because she doesn't, if you play her slowly, what's going to end up happening is this situation right here. And now we have basically the same thing. Cammy's standing up. We've got the fireball coming, and Laura's right here. So yet again, she can jump. She can go for the command grab, she can throw, she can do whatever she wants, and if you play it, what ends up happening is she just goes for the throw. And so every time you get that EX fireball right on top of them or right behind them by means of either faking them out in a block string or making them not tech, you get what is easily the best mix-up in the entire game. A cross-up, an overhead, a command grab, a regular throw, and they're all safe and they all lead to huge damage. And now these next uh, three short clips uh, are meant to be played in succession, yeah. right? Yeah, so this is going to be talking about CJ Truth and what I thought was maybe the most impressive conditioning I've seen in this game in a very, very long time. And so if you watch, CJ Truth's reactions are second to none, and further than that, his spacing is also incredible. Um, if you play the clip, what's going to happen right here is CJ Truth's going to jump Neutral jump outside of this range, knowing and testing Idom's reactions. And Idom's going to go for the standing medium punch right here. And if you play it, it whiffs. Go on to the next clip. Same thing. CJ Truth's going to walk out of this range from a throw tech to it. And you see now he's gone lower. Idom still reacting. And then if you go to the third one. Delete the. All right. So the third one. This time he walks into range but he does the jumping heavy kick a little bit higher. So as you notice, instead of being down here, he's up here. And so the standing medium punch is active. It's really active, four frames, but if you play the clip, he jumped just high enough to where it beats it out. Any other normal Cami would have done, the hurt box would have been too low, Idom would have anti-aired her. But this time it worked out perfectly. And if you play that back uh, side to side, you're gonna notice that the anti-air here when he was jumping out of range, he was jumping low enough to where it would have anti-aired. So Idom was confident going for it. But when he was actually in range, he did it a little bit higher and the anti-air whiffed. And I can't think this wasn't on purpose. His spacing of the neutral jumps, he never got anti-aired one time and he made the anti-air whiff three or four. Just absolutely incredible. So uh, 
you had mentioned though you wanted Laura to, or Idom to make it. Uh, Laura's not the best character. CJ Truth is very good. Uh, any takeaways from this entire uh, breakdown here? So I think one of the big things to note is that Laura's V trigger went to three, uh, three bars instead of the two it used to be. And so those situations where he gets the dirty mix-ups with the EX Fireball are fewer and farther between. And obviously the standing medium kick, which is the party starter for the V-Trigger, is now seven frames instead of five, same thing. She just gets way less of those opportunities to make you eat that EX Fireball into the scary mix-up. Uh, that being said, Idom the best at choosing his spots and doing it. Probably the best Laura out there, period, right now. Mm -hmm. And he came just that close, only defeated by Punk and then CJ Truth both who have already qualified for Capcom Cup to just narrowly avoid that. And even further, Idom, I think, only went to American tournaments all year. I mean, he had, of all the people who were this that close, one of the toughest roads, basically only going to a fourth of the available tournaments and not even a fourth of the available tournaments, whereas the rest of these players were flying around the country. So I guarantee you, if you gave this kid the means and the time and the just the ability to travel to these other tournaments, he would have made the Capcom Cup. Stoop kid. That's what I'm saying. He gets off the stoop. He can do some things. And, uh, you know, coming off the tail here of this badass analysis that you put together for us, uh, Kwanzaa has just uh, subbed for one full year. Oh, I forgot to draw a dick on the telecaster. <laughs> Dude, God, you no. promised you would do it, yeah, I, did. I, I got so dick. into it, right, that I just didn't draw any dicks on the telecaster. <laughs> I promise you next week I will. Um, well, we still have another opportunity here for the... Uh... All right, anyway... Uh, moving on, um, thank you again for that. So, Steve, where do you want to take us now that we have uh, broken down that match? You want to talk about Christine? Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about it a little bit. Go ahead. Oh, I'm supposed <laughs> to talk. Okay. Uh, Chris T, as we mentioned, he was originally scheduled to compete in the uh, at Red Bull Conquest. Then last week he said he wasn't able to make it. He did not disclose a reason. Uh, he did make a statement today that kind of reveals what may have happened. Uh, he said on Twitter, quote, yesterday, my relationship with team Psy games beast came to an end. This comes after a contractual dispute that started over the summer and is unfortunately still ongoing. I am disappointed that we did not reach common ground before this, but my contract with the organization that operates Psy Games Beast has run its course. As a result, I am a free agent. I am happy that I still managed to qualify for Capcom Cup as one of the 32 best players in the world. I'll be practicing hard for the next month. Or for Out next Hollywood. Hey, Daigo, your sponsorship? No, nah, I haven't. Uh, I, don't, I don't like the way you do things. I'm out. That's what Chris T just did. What a badass. Or a douche, I don't know. <laughs> well, there was, you know, this actually followed up uh, Side Games Beast announcing that he was leaving the team uh, yesterday. And a lot of people may be, uh, are we able to pull up the tweet that I have in the doc? Uh, uh, a lot of people. Coming right up. Yeah. Uh, there was some speculation that it, that the drop was because of this tweet from Brent is cool showing him celebrating the uh, his place in Capcom Cup by smoking what appears to be marijuana. Now, granted, this is legal in could have been anything. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it could have been anything. It could have been oregano, uh, but he was there was speculation that that was even though it's legal in California, that was the reason uh, for his 
uh, dismissal from the team, but that appears not to be the case. This appears to be a decision on his of his making. So if you're out there, sponsors, you've got a shot at getting a player who's in Capcom Cup right now. So, you, <laughs> you know, it, it, I he made a, he, again as you as you referenced, he was saying that there was some uh, contractual, uh, you know, uh, what was the word? Uh, discrepancies or whatever. Um, however, come on, dog. You want to tell me that this wasn't uh, uh, influenced by this guy? And it wasn't even a picture that he put out. It was a picture that Brent just cool put out, but he retweeted it. Um, you, I don't, mean, you don't think, think that was like a deciding factor in, in dropping Christie? No, it already had happened, clearly, like the issue. Yeah, he had tweeted out last week uh, thanking Ultra David for for doing great work and if anyone needs an esports lawyer okay. he's the guy to talk to so obviously something was in the air this is just a funny coincidence but and there was an event that he had missed does anybody think that this had anything to do with that like hey pay me what i want or i'm not gonna compete with you for uh, under your title am i am absolutely. i am i making a reach there absolutely it does seem like it though like it's it's hard to understand right because like even if he had been dropped from the team this is an event he would have definitely paid for on his own dime. So it feels like there has to be something more than just the money issue there. Because obviously, like, he made it in. But if he had gone and won a few more points, it would have been a lot easier. So I wouldn't be surprised if in a lot of these teams' uh, uh, contracts, there's a stipulation that says if as long as you're under contract, Probably. you cannot compete uh, at an event without our permission. So that that came up when people were asking me about infiltration. Now, granted, I haven't seen infiltration's contract. I haven't seen Chris T's contract. But I would not be surprised if there was some sort of uh, some sort of statement in there that uh, prevented that from happening. All right, guys, we're running low on time, so I'm gonna race through a couple things because I really want to get to one of our favorite segments here on Best of Five: a Street Fighter Five costume block grab. But first. So EVE Japan uh, came out with some announcements, including their three headline games, which in this case are Soul Calibur VI, Tekken 7, and Blaze Blue Tag Battle. Uh, any surprises there? What do you guys think? Obviously, there are side tournaments, and they're still negotiating for Dragon Ball Fighters, Street Fighter V, and Smash Ultimate. If they get cool. all three of those games, I think it's pretty straightforward. If they don't, it's obviously crazy. Right. Yeah. When yeah, I mean, and I don't know if licensing issues is a thing with Dragon Ball that seems to be popping up and rearing its head left and right around here, so that could be a thing. Um, I'm still waiting for Marvel, though. When's Marvel? <laughs> I'm just surprised that, you know, it's still not decided. We're about 90 days out from the event. Yeah, that is kind of wild. Like, And I, I don't think people would be that surprised if it were, like, a smaller uh, sort of organization behind it. But because of the Evo name, because it's an Evo event, people expect it to be perfect out the gate or at least, you know, executing at an incredibly high level. This is the second event they've ever run in Japan. So for them to run into issues should not be a surprise. But it's just that disconnect between their experience and what expectations there are of them. Now, um... When is the tournament, Steve? Uh, end of February. End of February. That's not like tomorrow. Um, Kazama, not, Kazama but, Jin Mishima says Soul Calibur 6 is not tournament ready yet. Any thoughts well, on that? I don't think that's true. 
I think I think the game's fine for tournaments. Hey, the <laughs> the Soul Calibur Six tournament at DreamHack Atlanta was fucking awesome. Yeah. So I disagree with that. If we were to go back and watch a specific match or a block of matches, anything in particular? Well, the grand finals was pretty cool with Party Wolf and uh, an Ivy player whose name I currently am blanking on. Uh, and also the fact that there were like six other IVs in top eight, which was pretty cool. Is Ivy confirmed top tier? Uh, for now, yeah. I mean, she's. Were there any giant cubes that shoot lasers? <laughs> no. <laughs> also, something worthy of note: uh, they found out that those were actually mods, um... so those are not able to be seen in the game unless you download some extra stuff. Right on. Okay. I would have played that character too. Um. Okay. Any other takeaways here from Evo Japan and their announcements? And uh, it, it is interesting, and I do think it's part. Of, it, it's symptomatic of the community growing up. That um, I mean, you I didn't you even have to pay think for about rights. it, but what you said was right to me. Like, if I was playing SF5, I would want to know 90 days before the event, like to make my plans. You know, those tickets aren't cheap, and they don't get any cheaper. So mm. yeah. that that seems yeah. really tough. Like, that is definitely gonna make some people not go, in my opinion. Like, they're gonna lose some people for that. For, for taking this long. And I, I'm not saying they could have made it any easier, but still. Yeah. Imagine the Evo game lineup not coming out until April. That's, it, it's crazy to think about, but that's what we're at right now. I can't imagine that. But what I can imagine is doing a block grab. Oh, wow. The Daily Dump. So uh, we were going to do it on the Christmas costumes, and we still are. But then they came out with Resident Evil costumes, yeah. and we're going to block grab those too. So kicking us off is Goth, Reindeer, Sakura, uh, I guess? Cutie? Cutie Pie, Sakura? And since we still have the Telestration uh, <laughs> uh, connected, do you care to point anything out in particular before you block and or grab? Now, now, granted, granted, we can get banned from Twitch. <laughs> you know, I'm not not on Sakura. I'm not going to draw on Sakura for strategic are you reasons. Gonna, are you going to block and or grab? I'm going to block on drawing on Sakura, and I'm also going to block this Sakura costume. It's like so. It's it, they wanted to make a Christmas costume for, her, and then it probably sucked. So they're like, let's just make it a goth girl. It's and goth a Christmas girl. I think costume. she has the antlers on. A little goth like a reindeer. Yeah, she's like yeah. a goth reindeer. I don't know. It's not. It's. I mean, it, it, it almost. I'll give them this one thing. Like I've seen girls who look like that in real life. So at they kind of had. Yeah. Yeah. At so Christmas. like pretty much. Right. So I think that there are a ton of people that are blowing their load over the costume. <laughs> yeah, that's and true. Regardless of if it's not this month. Or not, not this month. <laughs> yeah. No. They're they're building up a big load. They're saving load up for December. Yeah. And <laughs> you guys, um, oh and, my and, god. And that, I think that that was a smart move by Capcom. He might be because, one of them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's not on oh, the show. No, me, no. Soccer doesn't really do it for me. It's, he's oh, my he's favorite my part of this entire thing right here, for <laughs> sure. Diego Luna, look at us. Diego Luna? <laughs> Isn't, that's the guy from, well, in Casa de Padre? Anyways, just... So, so, let's keep it going. You've blocked on this. Steve, what are you... You're grabbing on this for sure. I know you. I, I, I'm grabbing. <laughs> it, it, it's not good, but I can't I can't hate it enough to, to block it, so grab. All right, uh... John, are you going to block or grab on uh, this uh, goth Christmas uh, soccer? I, I personally wouldn't grab too much on, on goth soccer, but I like the idea, and I think it was smart, and I think a lot of people will uh, buy her. So uh, I'll grab. All right. Uh, moving on to the next costume. This is Candy Cane Falk. 
Whoo, Mike. That's a whole lot of pierna right there. <laughs> I love it. I, I can't. I can can't. You draw, can you draw something on Falk, please? Um, like maybe some pants? Well, these shoes here are a little bit. <laughs> here you go. <laughs> the shoes here are interesting. Like they're not laced, they're not velcroed, they're not really held up by anything in particular. Like you wouldn't you usually see shoes. Yeah, they do. <laughs> what was that? What were you saying? Nothing. Um, so yeah, you don't like her shoes. Right on. Do you have any issues with her pants? <laughs> what pants? <laughs> okay, so is that a block or a grab? <laughs> What's your favorite part of this, this whole costume? <laughs> uh, um, the belt? The belt? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so is that a block or a grab? I'm going to grab on this costume. In all honesty, I actually do like this costume. I like the little hat. I like that they turn the, the rod into a candy cane. It looks fun. It looks festive. It feels bulky. <laughs> uh, I'm going to grab. All right. <laughs> Steve, block or grab on candy cane folk? I was going to grab because of the candy cane. I think that's a great uh, interpretation. But the shoes, what are those? It they're looks like, like they're like, well, the, the big thing is like they're five sizes too, too big. Yeah, it looks well, like she's going to step out of them as soon as she moves. I hate that block. <laughs> All right. John, block or grab on candy cane folk. I was going to block it because I hate everything except for the shoes. But because of the shoes, I'm grabbing it. <laughs> The shoes are cute. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on to the next one. We have Blanca as Rudolph the Red-Nosed Ranger. That's funny. Yeah? He's in a onesie. They, they've gone too silly with Blanca in this uh, game. I, actually I feel like Blanca they could have, like, turned Blanca into a Christmas thing instead of just giving him a onesie. So I don't really love it. Like, I feel like they could have been more creative than this. Like, they could have made him look like a reindeer instead of a Blanca wearing a reindeer suit. Yeah. I love Blanca-chan, so. They should have made, like, a Christmas Blanca-chan. I think that they would have been way more Krampus. popular than any regular Christmas Blanca. Okay. So, I'm gonna, I'm gonna block. I am <laughs> going to grab on Union Suit uh, Blanca. It, it, it just works. You know, just this big monster in a big brown reindeer pajama. Something about it just works for me. Grab. <laughs> All right, John, block or grab on I, Rudolph Blanca? Yeah, I don't I don't hate it, but I don't want to grab everything. And also, I think Blanca would have been a much better Krampus. So uh, based on that, I'm going to block. Elon, do you want to block or grab on this one? Uh, yeah, I'm a hella block because Rudolph the Reindeer reindeer doesn't exist in Brazil, so this is fake news. Oh, because he's <laughs> Blanca's from Brazil. Yeah. Okay. That shit don't exist down Dang. there. Get that out of him. What do y'all got down there? This uh, is nothing. this is a global world now. You can go on the internet and watch streams. What's your favorite Christmas costume, my friend? Shouldn't do that. So far, that's not necessarily. We got one more. Uh, Steve, I'm right there with you, pal. But this is the one that I like, and that is Cody with a beard, Santa Claus beard. Whoo! I mean, this is just ridiculous. They gave him a belt, and then they unbuttoned it. They said Cody's ready for action. This is insane. Honestly, they talk about me getting banned from Twitch. Capcom might get their game banned from Twitch for this one. I mean, this is just, this is crazy. You're not feeling it? Hey, I'm not saying I'm not feeling it. I'm definitely feeling it. I'm just saying, like, that is... Lude? It's bold. 
It's bold. It's um, it's something else that they they unbuttoned Cody's buckle for him. I don't even want to know what the Easter egg code is. Actually, I do. <laughs> he takes his coat but, off. But if taking the belt off is before the Easter egg, what's he taking off afterwards? Is all I'm asking. So, Mike, I hate to burst your bubble here, but what's actually happening here is that, that buckle's attached to the coat, not to his pants. Whatever. I mean, same shit. <laughs> okay. Um, but I think somebody tweeted at the, the Street Fighter uh, Twitter handle, and they said he takes his coat off but leaves the hat on. Okay. Well, he looks good, though. I think it's cool. I mean, it's, it's an interesting take off. on Christmas, so I like it. I'm a grab. Steve, block or grab on sexy as fuck Cody as Santa Claus? Uh, there is a segment of the fan base mm-hmm. that absolutely loves everything about this, and on their behalf, I will grab because they deserve something. <laughs> All right. John, uh, block or grab on uh, Cody Claus. I'm only going to grab if, Dr- if Donka draws a dick on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right, all right. Moving on, moving on, moving on. Next one, next one, next one. Uh, we're going to, that's, we're leaving Christmas and we're going to the land of Resident Evil. And let's start off with the uh, first one I saw, which was Urian as Huesker. Block grab. Mike? It looks pretty good. I think they could have like gone even further with making him look Wesker-y. And it's one of those costumes where I'm like, uh, like, can I even tell that's Urian anymore? But if anyone was going to be Wesker, it would be Urian. <laughs> and it looks like Wesker. People will like this costume. I'll take it. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I also like this crap. Teleport- <laughs> Wesker teleports and, and and is all over the place. And I feel like and Nash is already wearing glasses. Yeah, that would have been better. Nash you might be right, actually. Yeah. All right, so you're uh, grabbing I'm gonna, Actually, I'm going to... He No, but he, he, I might block it now that what John said. Maybe it should have been Nash. That Yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. But he doesn't stand as erect. If you will. And like Nash doing the like disc thing and then standing, it would have been way better. Yeah, you know what? Fuck this. I hate it. <laughs> Steve, block or grab. Yeah, block or grab on uh, on uh, Wesker as Urian or Urian as Wesker. I'm going to grab, you know, I even though it feels weird seeing Wesker without Doom right next to him, um, I, I don't know. I, I just like it. I like it. So I'm going to grab. All right, John. And let's make it snappy, guys. We have a guest to get to. Yeah, no, uh, 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 I'll, I like that they did Wesker, so I'll take it, but Urian was not my first choice. Okay. So it's a block. No, it's a grab. Bison would have been better, too. I don't know. Yeah, now that, now that you got, yeah, that there's, there was better choices. All right, moving on to the next one. This is Ada Wong. Uh, I think it's, uh, what's the ice chick's name? Fuck. It's Colleen. This Colleen. Is so is this like casting Scarlett Johansson <laughs> as like exactly. Asians? Like this is like I thought we were past this, guys. <laughs> like this. This is Scarlett Johansson playing Colleen. So playing did you want Chun to have another costume? Would that have made you happy? I mean, it doesn't look good. It's obviously the same. I I don't know. It's bad. Like it looks like like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and here's a crow. So you're blocking on that, Steve. Uh, I uh, eh, block. Eh. All right. Yeah. John, eh. you're blocking. Fuck that. Yeah, block. All right, and now the last one here in our block grab segment is Cammy as Jill Valentine. 
I heard she's the master You're, of unlocking. This is good. This is okay. So first of all, this is the one where they made her look like Cammy and Jill, which I think is kind of the goal of these costumes. Rather than the Yuri and Wesker, where it just looks like Wesker, this is clearly influenced by both characters. Notably, it's the first time that Cammy has ever had pants. I nice. believe mm -hmm. in the history of Street Fighter Five. Yeah. So she definitely has pants. She's uh, the first time she has pants. If you notice, she has this ponytail. <laughs> it goes, yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Steve, block grab on uh, Cammy as, uh, as Jill Valentine. <laughs> I, I I don't know what the hell is going on here. I'm gonna grab. It's well done. Um, yeah. <laughs> There, there are jokes to be made. Uh, others will make them better than I could. Crap. GTO Akira. Thank you for the sub. Wait, GTO Akira subscribed to our channel? <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> it's right there. And you didn't even have that? I love GTO Akira. It's like the number one stream troll of all of Capcom. <laughs> I love this. All right. Um, John? That means we're real. That means we're real. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Block Joe grab. Valentine, uh, uh, Wesker... Leon, um, you could do Chris, but fuck that, he's been in Marvel so much. I think those are the three that we really wanted to see. I'm really sad that we got Ada Wong and a <laughs> shitty one at that. God, that was a bad Ada Wong. <laughs> but, um, but I will take this one. This was a, a very well done. I don't care that it's Cammy. That I mean, and it, and it works with her. I think that the Easter egg should be that like she, they remove the pants and it's, it's just like <laughs> Cammy's leotard or whatever because it'd be funny. But, uh, but yeah, I, I like this one. I think it's really good. I'll grab. All right, guys. That's the end of Block Grab and uh, the end of the panel, including these gentlemen. Uh, Steve, Ace King Offsuit Jerk, fan of Patty Mayonnaise. Uh, she aight. She cool. Doug not cool. that Patty Mayonnaise. That's the Disney Doug, which is wrong. Just want to no. say that. What do you mean? That is. That's it short is. hair. It is. Short hair Patty. And long sleeve Doug, it's wrong. I appreciate I did, the effort, but I I'm going to block. You know what? I didn't hate Disney Doug. Nick Doug was better, but Disney Doug was all right. I dig it. On that note. John, uh, he writes for eventhubs.com. He also, you can find him at Twitter at Velociraptor. Uh, what are you working on right now? What can we read of your stuff? Oh, I'm, uh, I'm looking at how many uh, of each character are in uh, Capcom Cup as means as of right now. So I'm going to do a breakdown on that, post up a little bit later. Cool. Oh, but right now, I think on the top of the front page, you can check out a giraffe dick on uh, in Soul Calibur 6. Because uh, you need to know about the giraffe dicks in Soul Calibur 6. So check that out after you watch Vicious. Now, Does it shoot lasers? Oh, I don't know. I mean, you have to watch to find out. Did you... Um, if you were to compare the giraffe dicks to the lizard dicks, though... Uh, well, the giraffe dick is a giraffe, but it also has a giraffe coming out of its pelvis with a giraffe head for the dick. It's, it's pretty <laughs> meta. You guys should check it out. I'm not just, I'm not just pulling your leg. That's on eventhubs.com. You can see it now. <laughs> We've been joined by Steve, Ace King Offsu Jurek, and John Velociraptor Guerrero. Does the Tekken World Tour have anything to compare to that, Steve? Uh, no lizard dicks, no giraffe dicks to speak of, but uh, I will be previewing the players in the Tekken World Tour finals. Uh, you'll be able to so Find that on TechWorldTour.com in the coming days. Couple quick notes. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and be on the lookout. Hopefully, by this time next week, we will have a few new emotes for you. Hey -o. 
All right, guys, we are now going to say goodbye to these fine gentlemen. Goodbye. And we are going to bring on none other than Jeremy Vicious Lopez. He's going to come on the show and he's going to talk to us about uh, some of the Red Bull festivities over the weekend. And we're going to get to know him a little bit, too. And then we're going to talk about uh, what he thinks coming up here for Capcom Cup. Yeah. The, now, I remember the first time I remember talking about Vicious on this show was right when Street Fighter V came out in some of our clips actually going over Wednesday Night Fight. Oh, some of right. his matches, he was actually a really good player. Yeah. And I remember talking about a few of those clips. And since then, he's kind of evolved from like a commentator you saw every once in a while to one of the premier commentators out there. So... Yeah, a and guy I've done some work with, a guy who's you know on the top of the commentary scene right now. So and a nice guy in general. Yeah. Um, so we did uh, get a chance to talk to him prior to the show. Just uh, and I got to talk to him last night, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. And I believe he's joining us now, but we don't have the green screen up yet, so we're gonna give it a couple seconds. And hey, man, how's it going? <laughs> I was, I was kind of curious as to what backdrop you guys decided on. I'm glad it was uh, running of the bulls. Uh, <laughs> but overall, thank you guys for even having me on the show. I'm a big fan of everything you guys do, and I'm just really excited to talk to you guys. And here, uh, Elon is showing, uh, reciprocating our gratitude to having you on by fucking up your green screen uh, live on the show. You know, it is what it is. I'm not gonna trip out about it. It's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I told him I was like, yo, I could put the the green screen down and he's like no leave it up i got this now now before we even actually delve into this ilan why running with the bulls uh why not all right there you go so uh jeremy thank you so much for joining us it's been a while since we've had a guest and we're happy to have you on um why don't we start off by uh recapping a little bit of how the weekend was for you uh any takeaways or any big moments or anything you want to that stands out in your mind uh the biggest moment for me was the fact that Chris T clutched it out for that last spot in Capcom Cup. Uh, big ups to him. I love it. I love the... <laughs> um, Damn, dude. Also, <laughs> on a real note, I, I know that I was um, kind of worried about the standings, but big shout outs to Steve for really clutching it out with the tweets and the stats. And uh, big shout out to uh, Idom really putting in the work as well. He almost made it. And watching him play was a spectacle, but I think the biggest takeaway here was, man, CJ Truth is a, it's a beast. He's a fucking beast. Yeah, I feel he's like I, it had been since, like, the Fei Long days. I don't know, granted, he's, he's had good placings in, in Street Fighter V, but I feel like it wasn't right. since Fei Long and Street Fighter Four where we were really getting a lot of uh, CJ Truth up there and really uh, getting good results. It's got, I'm glad to see him on there. So, but, so what was it like yeah. being at Red Bull this past weekend? And obviously there was the Red Bull Conquest, there was the Last Chance premiere, and there was the NA Finals. So people like Toy and Punk ended up playing in three different tournaments that weekend. Yeah. And you were there for all of it. How do you feel like that format went over? Oh, first of all, I'm a really big fan of team tournaments in general. And I'm really glad that it wasn't just one game being showcased for the exhibition. Uh, it gave a chance for all fronts, right? You had three different games. You had Guilty Gear, Tekken 7, Street Fighter 5. And just having the spotlight on a ton of the community really meant a lot for these players, for some of the tournament organizers as well, they don't even get like their big shot either. Cause it's like, oh, there's actually a scene in this city and some of our players go here and you're gonna see them on the big stage representing this city. And to me, that's a big, it's a big goddamn deal. Uh, being able to spotlight some of the lesser known talent. You know what I'm saying? So uh, the Red Bull Conquest format, it was, a, it was a long time coming. They're really trying to make it work with the team format. And I think they, uh, executed it pretty damn well. 
Uh, on top of the, the fiasco of having a last chance qualifier and the NA regional final, I think the execution of it, uh, it was a little rocky at first. We were all a little nervous, but we got our bearings and it went pretty damn well, I would say. You know, one thing I noticed, and Alon was the first to point it out, uh, was that there was the, 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 the actual format of how you guys were commentating, like free floating with stick mics in your hands. That was cool, interesting, new take on things. Well, how did you feel doing that? Or any opinion on that? It wasn't really like the first time I've ever done it, especially with the likes of like Sajam, Ringe, Yipes, Persia, and Tasty Steve, like specifically those individuals, right? Um, it's a little difficult, but if you're comfortable with the group and you've been able to like at least talk on the stage, it, it it's a lot easier. I'm not going to lie. Like at first, like it sounds really intimidating, but I just got lucky that I knew these guys prior I was like, all right, I know exactly how these guys talk, and we just went with it. Really, it was just uh, just a really, really solid flow. Um, but the format in general for commentating these matches can get a little wonky, right? Because mm -hmm. there's so many things that could be said, and there's obviously people who know the game a lot more than certain people. So it's like we have to really understand the dynamic of, oh, when should I actually talk? Uh, when actually spotlight certain things that's happening on the screen? How do we make it so it sounds decent for the people viewing at home mm -hmm. uh so yeah again that format is a little intimidating but i think uh knowing your other commentators is a pretty big deal on top of like knowing at least a little bit about the game so overall i i like the i like the format a lot it's uh it makes us all comfortable uh we get to really speak what's on our minds and really get the hype going so as a commentator um <laughs> i think there's a lot that you can give to people, not only people who are trying to become commentators themselves, but just viewers of the game. When you're watching a tournament such as the Red Bull Conquest part, which is a team tournament, which is a, important, but you know, it's it's more of a, a team event as opposed to the finals, IDOM versus CJ Truth for who makes it into Capcom Cup. Is there a difference in the way you approach commentating that? Like, do you in look terms at of like having... Yeah, like what you say during the match, what you're watching for the your your cadence like anything i'm just wondering for the sake of people out there who are interested yeah so when especially when it comes to like a team tournament format uh especially with like something like this this is kind of relatively new um having different games you're not gonna you're not gonna say stuff that's gonna be like uh going on as fact for some of these people you can't really like bs the audience so like i knew that coming in i was gonna be like you know what despite not knowing the other games too well I'm going to focus on talking about the individuals instead so that they, uh, the viewers at home, understand what's really on the line for some of these competitors, not just uh, them being on the stage or like Evo Japan, but like what it also means to their community as well, uh, being able to, able to level up. Uh, so telling the story of the players was, I think, just as important as telling the what's going on in the, in the gameplay, right? Really setting up the story before and after, what it means via the points, who's going to be highlighted in yellow, who's going to be highlighted in green. Uh, but for the most part, I thought that was uh, one of the important takeaways is just kind of telling the story for some of these players that don't get their spotlight. But comparing that to like the, uh, the NA regional finals, uh, there's a lot more that could be said with that. There's a lot of uh, focus on like Street Fighter V right now being one of like the main headliners. A lot of people have followed, followed along. So, I mean, there was a, there was a lot to tell too on top of like who's going to make it to Capcom Cup and what else is on the line. I mean, a lot of people have been following along with that. So 
that's pretty much the gist of it. You know, telling the stories of players of the players is one thing, um, but the commentators also are uh, can get endeared to an audience, and vice versa. Um, I want to hear a little bit about your story. I was telling. Um, Mike and I were talking, the first time we really remember seeing you was on Wednesday Night Fights, and then, I, I, and again, I, I hope I'm not insulting you, but I feel like you kind of came out of nowhere, and all of a sudden you're one of the top tier commentators out there with the Tasty Jams and the Ultra Chans, and uh, uh, deserved, certainly, but uh, how did you get there so Thank quickly? You. Uh, really, so I, I, I've actually done a little bit of commentary. I did come out of nowhere, actually. But I've done very, very little commentary at a small place called Ultimate Gaming Center in the Valley where I would actually TO. I've TO'd there for about like three and a half years before they were shut down. And I've actually done commentary with Eris randomly at Super Arcade just once. And I was like, eh, this, this is pretty good. But I focused primarily as being like a, a pro Street Fighter 4 player back in the day. But then like real life kind of hit me. I was like, I don't get to practice as much, but I still like talking about the game. So I still showed up to Wednesday Night Fights. I actually moved closer to Orange County. Uh, for my job and i was just like lucky to have that venue uh and it wasn't until like sejam was like yo i know you still like the game i know you you can't play it as much so why don't you just like sit down and talk about it with us so i kind of started commentating it more and more uh really trying to study that aspect of the game to kind of it not only would it help me in the long run but like as a speaker but it would also keep my game sharp because i know for sure that stream monsters know when you're bullshitting mm -hmm. and you have you have to keep it clean, but um, as to how it got me even like where I'm at right now, I still consider myself very mid tier. Uh, I still haven't found. I feel like I haven't found it the it factor just yet. I'm always trailing behind like Ultra David, uh, James Chen, Sejam, and Tacy Steve, but um, I really try to stay consistent by applying everywhere, uh, playing the game as much as I can, uh, and I definitely get to watch you guys as well with the recaps that really helps but just like really taking the time to study it because like if you enjoy it it doesn't even feel like work anymore sure. so uh really enjoying your craft is uh pretty crucial and then just me just trying to get my name there, game get my name out there as much as possible to uh yeah. pretty much help where i was uh getting me to where i'm at now so you're saying Man, it was say jam breathier holy shit <laughs> so you're saying it was say jam say jam was the guy that got you on the mic yeah and it was a. Uh, Level Up Live that actually gave me a chance. Like, Valle and Jimmy Wynn, they're like, we trust you. We would love to have you on uh, the first, like, Red Bull Proving Ground stuff and some of the side events that we're running, too. So they're the, they're the ones that actually took a chance with me um, to even do commentary. So big shout-outs to all those guys, really. Like, Sejam, those two. And then Tacey Steve, of course. He's I've, I've known him. He's the first person that greeted me randomly on my 21st birthday. And I had no idea who he was. It was at Super Arcade, but it was great. <laughs> uh, I think you're frozen on our screen, but uh, if the audience can still hear you, <laughs> oh. maybe the bulls got you. You ran out of breath. <laughs> yeah, it's um, probably our computer's fault. That. Yeah, it's our computer's fault. It's on the fritz. Um, um, Mike? So yeah, uh, Trout Black had a question, which I had too, um, which was a, I don't remember exactly which event was, but recently you were solo commentating for a while at an event. And I think... Everyone, and maybe yourself included, was surprised at just how well and smoothly it went. That's not really a format we've seen, and we thought it worked out pretty well. So how, how do you think that went? Do you think there's a future for doing that sometimes? Just walk us through your thoughts a little bit. Uh, I think you're referring to the moment uh, with SCR when I had to fill in when TCC couldn't uh, make it, Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that format, it's, it's very challenging because uh, – <laughs> 
usually you're you're used to seeing the analysis uh, and like color commentary, but um, I, I thought about it this way. I was like, if he's late, I'll take it to streamer mode. Uh, <laughs> luckily, I, I practice like talking through streaming where I'm just alone and talking about gameplay and whatnot. So um, I really try to find the balance of when to talk about analysis, when to talk about like play by play and like color and stuff. Uh, I thought it was just fine. Like I was, uh, I wasn't too nervous. Cause I was like, you know what? I've been practicing for a moment like this anyway, uh, just in case something were to happen. Like you always gotta be ready. Right. Because mm -hmm. if, if you're not, then it's, you're going to make yourself look like a fool. But, um, as for if we should see that in like future events, I mean, like it's kind of tough. I mean, having one person kind of carry, uh, like a block of matches can be really tiring for that individual. Um, and it also depends on the individual's knowledge. Now, I, I'm not claiming like I know it all at all. I mean, I'm very much so like behind on analysis. But um, at the same time, I think maybe that would be good enough for like post pregame, just not like during the match itself. I feel like having two is, is pretty solid to minimum, right? To kind of disperse that or kind of a uh, split up the work between the two sure. for, the, for the matches. Yeah, like, be able to take a breath. Now, I have a really important question for you. Um, are you wearing baby oil in this picture on your head? Uh, Elon, if you could pull that up for us, that would be uh, helpful. What's going on right here? Oh, man, I'm just shiny. You, I, I kid you <laughs> not. It's all natural oil. Uh, I love this. This guy was great. He was the only, uh, believe it or not, this was taken in Japan. Halloween time in Japan. He was the only other Saitama in I think it was Shibuya we were in. Oh, no, it was, yeah, we were in Shibuya, and man, we locked eyes like no. Well, we saw each other's <laughs> heads first, and then we locked eyes. It was from across the street. It was so far away, and I was like, "Picture, we're taking a picture." Of course, he had no idea what I was saying, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> but it was yo. He was the only other Saitama, and it was it was so awesome. How did you even find that? Yo, but uh, what about this one right here? <laughs> I'm noticing a trend here in your uh, in your cosplays. <laughs> uh, this was. I'm going to be honest here. Uh, I only chose the avatar because I lost a bet. <laughs> um, oh, man. I thought you were going to say that you liked so it happened. as much as I do. <laughs> uh, I didn't mean to steal the idea from uh, Steve over there because he definitely hit me up on Twitter. He's like, I did it first. I was like, hey, yeah, what is this? <laughs> fine. I saw the show. But uh, no, I lost a bet. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a man about it. Uh, but I actually never finished the series. I know you guys can uh, crucify me now, but it is what it is. So, uh, uh, Hitman next, or who else is bald? Mr. Clean, maybe? Um, or? I wanted to go, so I honestly really want to go as Sagat. Okay. Believe it or not. Uh, I'm aiming Capcom Cup 2019 Sagat. And that's, I'm definitely, like, serious about that. I'm going to try to gain that mass. Uh, yeah, I mean, you probably it's a lot of mass. I think he's about like seven foot eight and around <laughs> four hundred pounds. I actually, I think the game says he's like two hundred pounds, <laughs> yeah. despite the fact that he's like over seven feet tall. But let's do it. I'm down. It's fine. Let's do it. No, I'm gonna wear that. What was that one costume he had? Like the military costume where he had like the boots on. I think that'll yeah. give me a little bit of a height advantage too. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, platform shoes is what you're saying. Yes. Um. So, I mean, I uh, just another question. I think from a lot of people out there, you commentated with just about everyone out there. Is who's the best? F word, by <laughs> the way. No, I, not even just who's like. Is there any? Is there any interesting anecdotes or just funny parts about commentating with anyone in particular? Obviously, commentating with Yipes can be a trip. Commentating with other people can be interesting. Listening to the differences in their analysis versus yours. Just anything to share on that front. Um. 
Well, man, that's a that's actually a tough question because like, um, with the other commentators I've like looked up to over the years and stuff. I mean, there's like certain like nuances that I've picked up on stream, but then the way they present it, like you, you hear it and notice it a lot more in person. Like how how often Yipes kind of gets a uh, hype. Uh, his uh, his analogies for certain things and just the way he words stuff, you kind of like understand it a little bit more in person than you do uh, on the broad or on the on the stream side of things when you're viewing it as a stream monster. It's, it's a lot different. This is, I'm um, sorry, I need to interrupt you because we have a very important uh, breaking question coming in from the chat. This is Ultra David wants oh to know: Do you remember the time that I farted on your leg during commentary? Asks Ultra Man, David. <laughs> David's done a lot. He's definitely done time. There was times where he picked a booger. <laughs> and the camera was off of us, and then he held my hand to wipe it, and it was really <laughs> awful because I couldn't say a thing. But the takeaway for that was that was the first time I commentated Capcom Cup 2016, the first time, right? Yeah. And it made me way less nervous. So that action alone really helped my commentary. <laughs> it's Great. like the power of David's boogers, is what you're saying? Uh, can yeah, remove yeah, the yeah. nerves? Yeah, and he definitely God, got me back funny. too, uh, spotting that booger towards the end of uh, Red Bull Conquest, the NA Finals. He was like, man, what a reveal. Ain't no better way than uh, talking about Oro than with the booger hanging. And I was like, yeah, you know, it was all planned out. Hey, that was actually something. Too, it's true. That was actually something I meant to ask you. We, we skipped past it. Was uh, what do you think of that reveal trailer at the end of the Red Bull event? Yeah, people oh, were theorizing great. that the colors you were wearing were making sure that Rose was going to be in the game. There was various <laughs> theories based on you being there that, that led to theories of who was in the game. What can you tell us? <laughs> My blank face says it all right there. That picture. <laughs> that's, that's how I felt about the reveal. Um, that right there. I liked the speculation that um, the outfit I was wearing yeah. was uh, a subtle hint of who's going to make it to season four. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, it's definitely Yun. Nah. It's going to be Yun without a dive kick. And you only get you only get dive kick in V-Trigger. <laughs> that sounds miserable. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be just fine. He plays like Fei Long, though. That's the thing. He stole Fei Long's normals. <laughs> wow. So, so we don't have a ton of time left, so what I do want to get to is the field for Capcom Cup 2018. Um, we do have, oh, a, yes. obviously, a near complete picture, if I'm not mistaken. No, that's everybody. Everybody yeah, is going to be in picture, his end. Yep. Um, so let's just cut to the chase. Who's going to win? Oh, <laughs> oh boy. <sighs> okay. Uh, honestly, the, I, I really like to think Fujimura is going to be within the top three. Um, Problem X is pretty damn solid, but top three. But who's going to actually win? I think it's going to be Tokido's time to shine, especially how he went down second to Men RD last year. He's got a lot up his sleeves. Uh, he's looking still just as strong as ever. Uh, and again, we're going to have to see how it works out on the route. Have you guys seen like the mock-up routes so far? No, I haven't yet. Where are those at? Oh, it's really, it, looks, it looks pretty neat. But um, from the way it's looking... I want to say Tokido. That's what my brain's saying. Uh, my heart says uh, Fujimura, though. Hmm. Now, just because you mentioned it, uh, last year's results, do you think that um, Menardi uh, stole that from him? <laughs> I wouldn't say he stole that from him. Uh, I actually got to watch him practice for that particular matchup with Hochi plenty of times throughout the weekend in, like, uh, in the in like the locker rooms and stuff when he was off in casuals, man, he was 1000% pre pre prepared for the likes of Tokido, man. I'm telling you, he had so many things that I feel like Tokido would never have been ready for. Not to disrespect Tokido, but I just mean like 
who else would give him that kind of birdie practice? Like what X Y Z Z Y at the time? Um, I don't know. I don't know who else would really give him the kind of practice that like with, with birdie that Men D would would present at Capcom Cup. Of course, we we a lot of people talk about the the brackets, his, the route he had, but still, I mean, like knowing a world class player like Tokido, you know, he he would have been ready to stop it. But again, it's it was, it was a tough call. I think Men definitely deserved to win. But but you think uh, obviously because of the year Tokido's had and because of his results last year that he's coming back with a vengeance. He's hungry. He oh, wants hell yeah. it. Hell yeah! Have you seen we we've all followed this run uh, throughout the entirety of the tour. Uh, he's just been getting better and better. So I it's without a doubt in my mind that he's going to take uh, Capcom Cup. But of course, that being said, uh, my commentator's curse is actually real. <laughs> uh, I definitely jinxed Haitani in Capcom Cup 2016 out loud and in public right before. He went up to face uh, Ricky Ortiz, and it worked. So, oh, and I also said that Tokido was going to win on the live uh, analyst uh, segment. So, uh, you know, me saying it now would probably be a bad idea again, but that's my pick. You know, John, uh, John's Nicali made, who, what was the result? <laughs> who lost because of John last year? Do you guys remember? John kept practicing for he. I think Itabashi Zengi for something like that. He kept practicing versus people and giving them Nikali experience, and then they would beat Nikali players. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh jeez. You know, you, you saying something out loud versus John's substantive uh, wrench throwing. You're right. You're <laughs> right. You'll be fine. I love. I love that guy. He's one of my favorite people of all time. All right, Shout and out then to you, John. On the other, on the other end of Capcom Cup, just before you go, um, you know, watching this many CPT matches. There's got to be one dark horse in this field you've seen play a million matches and you think is going to come out of the woodwork this time. A any names come to mind? Maybe hmm. not to win, but to beat someone big. I do want to say that person would be... I want to say it's Kaba because I haven't seen him okay. too much towards the I like that pick too. Yeah, I think Kaba is, along with having a, a super strong guile, uh, we haven't seen too much of him. He's been laying a little bit low, um, but that makes him all the more dangerous because this guy is a wild child, man. I think he's definitely going to be the dark horse for this year's Capcom Cup. We're looking forward to that um, and obviously to Capcom Cup. And I know uh, they haven't announced the talent lineup, but uh, hopefully you get in there and we'll get to see you on there again. Fingers it, crossed, man. It, it, I would yeah. really like to be a part of it, but Vegas is like four hours away, so I'm still going regardless. Uh, uh, between then and now, uh, what are you up to? Man, I'm playing some Pokemon. I'm <laughs> playing some <laughs> Let's Go Eevee. Look, I'm only going to play for like about a week because that's all the time I really have, but I'm back at it again with commentary at the end of the month for like BCF and stuff. So I, without a doubt, as soon as this week is over, I'm back to like watching footage and preparing myself for like the brackets and trying to figure out who's going to take it and pretty much watching you guys. <laughs> now we're talking. Vicious, thank you so much. It means a lot you came on the show and uh, we're big fans and good luck. Uh, keep kicking ass and keep doing your thing and uh, it's, it's great to see you out there, man. Hey, don't forget, I'm going to bring a setup to Vegas if you go. Uh, it's gonna have Ultra Street Fighter 4. He challenged me. Yeah. We were talking about this guy says he plays Street Fighter oh, 4. I was playing, every I single played day. Street Fighter 4 online at Jared's house the other day. I'm the best. So if <laughs> oh, anyone wants, if anyone wants part of that, you're done. I'm I'll, so down. I was telling him, yo, T Hawk beats the twins, and he's like, well, that didn't uh, help. Koji, I play, KOG. I play the cast. So it doesn't matter <laughs> who good. you can counterpick. I play the I, cast. I play, I play uh, one of the best characters in the game, so it's fine. 
All right, man. Well, thank you again very much for coming on the show. We're going to go ahead and wrap things up here. Uh, stick around because Ultra Chen TV comes on next. Stick around on Twitch, I mean. Um, they're going to be recapping the big events of the weekend at PS Finals. Uh, Ultra David was there. Rebel Kumite, Rebel Conquest, more Infiltration Suspension, uh, Evil Japan Games announcement, Capcom Cup bracket, etc., etc. That's all coming up right next uh, on Ultra Chen TV. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Vicious, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, guys. <laughs>